You know, it's easy to say we, we follow the spirit of God, but it's really difficult when it messes up your plans. So what happened, what's going to happen for the rest of the service was God messing up our plans. So I was ready to come and speak to you guys and share a word and going back to the, the series uh, on the book of Luke. But just this Monday, uh, Pastor Mark and I were having a conversation and in our meeting, he said, you know what? Um, I think that God wants us to to go back to speaking on a, on a specific subject. See, a few weeks back when I shared, I said that in order for us to move to the next level, there were two things that needed to happen. One was going to be we need to know the nature of God. And two was worship, elevating our worship. Then our speaker next week comes up and my takeaway from his whole message was worship is always the response for every situation. And he talked about Job, how Job's response was worship. And then Pastor Mark says, I think we need to preach on worship this next Sunday. And he's like, you remember Carissa? She shared something on a Wednesday night. I said, oh, yeah, Carissa Carter, our worship director. And he says, I think I think she should do it. Why should she do it? Well, this Sunday. Okay. So I called Carissa and I said, Carissa, um, would you like to, to uh, sometimes share on worship? And she said, oh, sure. That's, that'd be great. And I said, okay, that sounds good. Uh, let's do it this Sunday. She said, what? <laughs> yeah. So that's how we flow. Even though, you know, we have to hold our, our, our plans with open hand. And that's what God has, has done, has been doing. So we're going to go with that. So please, good news, church. Put your hands together and welcome Carissa. Um, truth be told, I'm not trying to be Moses. Um, my feet hurt (laughs) being in my shoes, uh, for a long time. And those of you who know me know, I, I take my shoes off quite often. Um, so just that's who I am. Nice to meet you. Um, but what an honor it is to, to be here this morning. And God is here. <laughs> he's here. I, I don't know if you can feel him here, but he's, he's here. And different people respond different ways, but, but he's here right now. And so even with that, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are already here. We thank you that your word says when two or three are gathered, that you're here. And not that you show up when two or three are gathered, but you're already here waiting for us to gather. You're already here waiting to partner with us, oh God. God, we lift our hands to you. We lift our hearts to you. We give you access. We give you permission, oh God, to challenge us, to speak to us. To reveal to us the nature of this topic, God, what you're saying to the church, what you're prophetically wanting to do. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We honor what you're saying. Pray that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm really passionate about this topic of worship, and I'm excited that I get to put language to what I feel a lot of times on a Sunday morning. Um, so I'm just honored. I'm honored too, that, um, we're in a church where leadership honors women and they give women a voice to, to stand up here. Amen. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, what is worship? We have a lot of strong views on worship. 
Um, your upbringing has a lot to do with it. Your culture has a lot to do with it. If you were raised in the church, your denomination has a lot to do with it. And maybe you found yourself struggling. Maybe you said these things. I know you've thought them. I know you have. Um, and this morning it's okay to say amen or sounds good or you can stand. Don't worry. You can run around. I'm good with that. Right? So I love response. So work with me this morning. I'm, I'm all about it. Maybe you've heard worship is a lifestyle. It has nothing to do with music. Maybe you've been one of those who wonder why we sing songs so much or repeat that one phrase over and over and over. Maybe you wonder why we don't sing enough and we should allow the Holy Spirit to move more. There are those who can't worship unless the lighting is right and the mood is right and the smoke is blowing and, and there's all these creative things going on. And then you have the opposite view that says, are we trying to look like a club? Are we trying to look like the world? The music is too loud. The music's not loud enough. All the dancing, shouting, the laughing, the enjoying, that's all hype. It's all emotion. We should be quieter. We should be more reverent. And then there's those who feel we don't have enough freedom. It's too structured. It's too predictable. There's the view the choir should sing more. There's some who wonder why we still have a choir. <laughs> what about style of music? We need more diversity. Or maybe you've said to yourself, you know what? I can't worship unless it's gospel. Or I can't worship unless it's Bethel. Or I can't worship unless it's IHOP. Or spontaneous. Come on now, I'm preaching. Or I can't worship unless it's liturgical and reverent and quiet and contemplative. All of these concerns and opinions are so valuable. And they should have a part in our discussion. But not one of them is a complete and whole representation of what worship really is. Worship, I love it. Worship is not about who leads you in worship. It's not about the style of music. It's not whether the choir is up there. Although I personally love the choir because if nobody else is shouting, I know the choir is going to shout me down, right? <laughs> and so I love it. I love the, the excitement that that creates. But let's face it, we all have opinions about worship and ours is the most biblical We've got a scripture that we can take out of context for any theological argument. And it's like my awesome husband says, because look, we're, we're all trying to figure this thing out, right? We're all trying to figure out what is worship? Is it just a lifestyle? Does it spill over into the corporate? Is it all about that emotion? Is it all about that hype? It's yes to all. Yes. It's and both. Yes. Amen. Like he says, do we argue to be right or do we argue to actually get it right? Next time we, you know, we want to give an opinion. Are we really trying to do this right? Do we just need to be quiet and say, man, let, let me go back to the Bible. Let me check with my mentors. Let, let me really see if this is right. Or are we just arguing to prove our opinion? In the book, How to Worship a King, it says we have done our congregations a great disservice by allowing them to think that worship is a type of music 
If worship is only music, then it can be packaged, produced, marketed, and consumed by its human audience. If worship is only music, then we can judge it as pleasing and appropriate or displeasing and inappropriate. You see, if worship is only about music, we can decide whether or not we will engage in worship based on our own preferences and moods. If a song or style does not express my preferred mood, then I do not have to participate in it. You see, if worship is for the people, he continues, then the people are objects of worship. And if people are the objects of worship, then we are gods unto ourselves. The definition of worship has nothing to do with our favorite song artists. And look, I get it. We're all going to have our favorites, and, and that's okay. However you connect with God, whatever your preference is, that's fine. But to choose not to worship or withhold worship because they're not catering to how you feel or your emotions and what you connect to is a problem. We simply cannot reduce worship to 30 minutes on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Amen. The word worship is an old English word. It means worthiness or worship. Literally, it means what do I esteem worthy? What do, what do I think is worth something to me? If you look in the Old Testament, as Pastor Raphael preached, Genesis 22, 5 with Abraham and Isaac, that's the first time that worship is used. It's not even a setting where there's music. It's in a setting of, am I going to do what God tells me to do? Am I going to make this sacrifice or not? That's worship. As you continue all throughout the Old Testament, let's look at Hebrews 9, verses 1. It says the first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. Verse 10, for that old system deals only with food, drink, various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. So Old Testament, Old Covenant worship, you go to a place, there's restrictions, there's regulations, there's boundaries, there's the right animal, there's offerings, only a designated family line, the Levites, okay, could go into a certain place in the tabernacle, only a priest could go into the Holy of Holies. But let's keep reading Hebrews 9, 11, verses 12. So Christ has now become the high priest over all good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands, and it is not created of this world. But with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all, and he secured your redemption forever. The New Testament... You can clap. That's good. That's Bible. That's amazing. <laughs> the New Testament. This is where we live. This is the new covenant that we live in. Jesus 
is the perfect sacrifice. He shed his blood. He is the high priest. He is our mediator. He grants me access, not just into his presence, but guess what? Now you're a carrier of his presence. Do you know how profound that is to know that the weightiness, the manifest presence of God is in you? You carry it. I get it. You come to a place and let me tell you, there's times and moves of God. Don't miss it. That you want the weighty presence of God over you, but you carry it in you. It's in you. In the new Testament, the Greek word proskuneo. That sounded pretty good, huh? <laughs> that's my Hispanic coming out. Proskuneo. I don't know if it's pronounced that way, but that's the way we're going to say it. That's how Google said it. So it's an, <laughs> it's an action word. Okay. It's visible. It's used over 60 times. It's most commonly as scholars define it, the kissing ground when prostrating before a superior. <laughs> I heard that. What? <laughs> it's the kissing ground, but as you prostrate, I'm going to show you. Okay. It's this, it's getting down. That's what that word implies. I have to show you. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but maybe, um, metaphorically it's defined as the kissing ground between believers and the bride of Christ. Here's what this word implies. It's the willingness to make all necessary physical gestures or movement of the entire body expressing deep respect. It's to bow as you would before a superior in profound reverence and submission. It's the wise men who came to baby Jesus. Proscuneo. That's Matthew 2, 11. It's the man with leprosy. <laughs> the man with leprosy that came back. Proscuneo. He came back. He acknowledged him as healer. It's the demon-possessed man who acknowledged his authority. When he worshipped, that's proscuneo. And I find it amazing that nowhere do you really see that Pharisees and religious people worshipped that way. You know who you see? The broken you see the people who can't leave the altar. You see the people with this desperate need of God that won't get up. They don't care if service is over. They don't care if their makeup is running down. They don't care what anybody thinks. It's that proscuneo, like I am going to use my entire body before the authority and the supremacy of Christ. That is what that word implies. But I love Jesus because he doesn't just let you stay there. He comes in with this upside down kingdom that we've talked about a lot in John four. He introduces this upside down concept that kind of blows everybody away because then he starts saying it's not so much where, but how and whom are you worshiping? He begins addressing the inner essence versus the external expression. Wow. What does that mean? 
Let's read the actual text. John 4, verses 20 through 22. This is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. He says, The time is coming when we will no longer be concerned about whether to worship the Father here or in Jerusalem, for it's not where we worship that counts, but how we worship. Other translations say, A time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, and in truth. John Piper states this awesome thing about this, this conversation that he has. The first thing we learn is that worship has to do with real life. It is not a mythical interlude in the week, in your week of reality. It is not the location that makes worship authentic because worship is merely not an external act that you can accomplish by going somewhere. It is first and foremost an experience of the heart. So what does this mean? What does this all mean? Number one, worship is about us. And let me explain what I mean by that. I do not mean, I 100% do not mean that worship is about me. And I'm not meaning that worship is about you. When I say worship is about us, I mean it's about our lifestyle, okay? We are the offering. Here's the mindset, and, and this I believe these are almost like prophetic mindsets that the Lord is wanting to establish in the culture of good news. Everything I do is worship. Say that with me. Everything I do is worship. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. I love the message version, and I love this because Carrie had preached on it a couple of um, years ago in Real. It says, take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping eating going to work walking around life and do what place it before god as an offering what does that mean what does it mean outside these four walls that worship is everything you do you're always we are always worshiping constantly the object may change but we are always worshiping Always, every decision we make, worshiping with our whole soul, spirit, mind, emotions, body. It's a sacrifice. Your title, your positions, your thoughts, your feelings, your successes, your failures. It's all worship. It's the everyday mundane activities. Moms, it's the changing diapers season. That too is worship. It's the waiting in the school pickup line to pick up your child. That too is worship. Can I hear an amen? Because I have to remind myself every day when I pick up my daughter, this too is worship. This, that lady cut me off and I want to praise Jesus, but this too is worship. (laughs) It's the fighting for your marriage. It's paying off debt. It's working two jobs. It's barely making it. That is all worship. I have to say to myself out loud sometimes, seriously, this too is worship. 
This too is worship. I will never, ever, ever forget 2017. And I don't know that it's gotten much better, but the Lord has been really challenging me, really changing what I think worship is. And for different reasons, last year and even this year has been, um, I use the word, it's been a mess. Can anyone relate? (laughs) So when I say I'm in that struggle with you and there's times I don't even want to be up here because I'm not feeling the goodness of God, I get it. And one day I sat on the middle of the bathroom floor. I was getting ready for work, for staff meeting. Woo! I love staff meeting, but I didn't want to be there that day. And uh, I, I just sat on the middle of the bathroom floor. I had such anxiety, different reasons, exhaustion. And I sat in the middle of that floor and everything in me just wanted to have like this panic attack, you know? You ever been there? <laughs> and I was like, God, this too is worship. This too The mess, the diagnosis, the getting up in the middle of the night, the physical exhaustion. Your marriage might be hanging in the balance, but that too is worship. And you may feel betrayed and you may not want to declare God's goodness. And guess what? I totally understand that because that too is worship. That too is worship. So worship is about us. It's a lifestyle. Everything is worship. The mindset is everything I do is worship. Number two, worship is through us. Here's the mindset. I am a meeting place between God and people. I am a meeting place between God and people. I'm, I'm going to give you scripture for this. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, I don't know about that. But you know that we're in such a war over the identity of the church. Can I, can, let's just be honest. Some of us have a hard time grasping that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you are a son, you are a daughter of the king. You are a priest. We are priests. Let's look to scripture and what it says. First Peter two, five. You also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house as a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. First Peter two, nine, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may declare the goodness. The NIV actually says the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're priests. We're, we're ambassadors because of the image of Christ in us. Okay, understand this is not based on, on good deeds or, or behavior. It's a biblical supernatural thing that happens when you give your life over to the Lord. So we are priests. Again, John Piper. Hmm. The point here is that you have immediate access to God. You do not need another human priest as a mediator. 
You have direct access to God through God. And second, you have an exalted active role in God's presence. You are not chosen, pitied, possessed, and holy to waste your time doing nothing. You are now called to minister in the presence of God. All of your life is priestly service. You are never out of God's presence. You are never in a neutral zone. You are always in the court of the temple and your life is either a spiritual service of worship or it is simply out of character. That is amazing. In your homes, your jobs, your school, you have this profound weight and responsibility, but here's the deal. It's Holy Spirit in you, okay? I I don't want this to be where now we become... um, legalistic about this and, and, and we get fearful under that weight. Or I know some of us are thinking, man, I'm not good enough. If they only knew, if they only knew what I think about what I wrestle with, they would know that I'm not a priest. That's beside the point. It's Christ in you that mediates between God and man that you're standing. You might be at Walmart. (laughs) I don't want to be a priest at Walmart. I can tell you that right now. I don't want to say hi half the time, but We have this awesome responsibility that you don't have to be on stage. You don't have to have a title. You're a son and a daughter of God. You're a mediator between God and man. So at the marketplace, your businesses, you're a priest. You're coming in contact with people. You have the ability. Maybe it's just to smile at them or compliment them or make their day, but you don't know how profound that is for some people because you carry this atmosphere that you say something and all of a sudden it shifts. It shifts their destiny. So we, we are priests. And lastly, again, worship is about us meaning lifestyle, it's through us. And honestly, it's hard to really grasp the the third thing, the third point, because unless we really understand that it's a lifestyle, that we have identity, it's, it's hard to come in on a Sunday and express what we don't really live or what we don't really believe. And that's just honest. But number three, worship is for us clarification. I do not mean it once again, that it's for me. It's not about me at all. When I say us, I mean us, you, the corporate body worship is for each other. The person you're sitting next to, that's what worship is for. Let me explain from the very beginning. We were intentionally designed to be in relationship, not just with God, but other people, I want you to look at the person next to you. You were designed to be in community. No, go ahead. And fellowship. <laughs> Y'all are saying it. I didn't say, say it. I, just, I, <laughs> I love this service. I just said you were designed to be in community with the people around you. <laughs> In Acts, what did the believers do? They met together. They broke bread together. They worshiped together. Do you know they actually went to the temple every day together? They didn't stay home on Sundays or watch it online because they didn't feel good. 
Oh, come on. (laughs) I'm not saying, hear me, please hear my heart. I'm not wanting to be legalistic by any means. I believe you need Sabbath, and I believe that you do need times off. Um, That is why I don't lead all the time, because we know that's why not one person preaches all the time, because you have to have Sabbath and take time off. But in order to do this whole corporate thing, I love what Paul David Tripp says. Corporate worship is a regular gracious reminder that it's not about you. You've been born into a life that is a celebration of somebody else. We've been born into a life that is a celebration of somebody else. I'm going to be real honest. I don't know that we've quite gotten that yet as a church. The celebration of other people. We're we're trying to do a better job of that. I know I still haven't wrapped my head around that and what that means to celebrate somebody to to come into this corporate setting and say it's not about me it's not about it's not about my preferred style of worship it's not about whether I'm feeling it or not or who's leading or why is she leading or why is she not leading it is about other people let's dive into this a little bit more and then I'm going to close here's three points that um I I live and, and I'm praying that it, it challenges us. Number one, there's intentionality. And I'm talking about the corporate setting. This is what I live for. I live for this moment. It's why I was created. It's my why. It's what gets me up in the morning. It's all I think about. You can ask my husband. It's, it's just like worship. I want people to encounter Jesus. And if they haven't encountered him, I feel like I haven't done my job. Find your why. That's a different subject and message, but that that's my why is this corporate gathering, but there's intentionality on our part. You see, we don't get ready on Sunday morning, Sunday morning. We get ready for Sunday morning, the corporate time. We're excited to come together. We start it Saturday night. So we're getting our clothes ready Saturday night. We're figuring out what we're doing for lunch Saturday night. You know why we're We're going to bed early. We're not staying up all night so we could be tired and right. It's intentional. Our our mindset is going, I'm getting ready to meet with people in the house of God. I'm a priest. I've got something to offer. I'm going to be with a body of believers. I'm not isolated. It's not based on personality. It's not. I know introverts have a really hard time with this. And sometimes it's really painful to be with other people. And I understand that. But this Relationship is biblical. It is not personality. We were born into relationship. So there's intentionality. I'm going to bed early. I'm getting to the house of God early. Let me tell you why. First and foremost, I'm not an early bird. You can talk to my husband. I'm late for everything. And my kids will tell you. Like the sloth. On, what's that movie? Zootopia. You know the sloth that's like, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) So I don't like, y'all need to watch that, okay? (laughs) 
It's a G movie. You'll love it. Anyway, that's me. So when I say come early, I'm not saying like, this is what I do. I'm like, good Lord, this is what I need to do. There's reasons why. It's like Pastor Raphael said, when you come late, first of all, you're rushing people. You can't find that parking spot. Don't pretend like you can because you can't. And that little lady cuts you off. (laughs) Right? And what happens to your mindset when you're not on time and you're running behind? You're angry. You're nasty. You can't check your kids in because the line goes forever. Or they have the audacity to close the nursery and say, you're not coming in today. You're trying to grab your coffee. There's just intentionality. You come on time. Worship and altar times are the only times that you actually get to respond to God. I can't, I can't miss those times. Not corporately, not, not with my tribe. Let me move on because I feel the, When I come in, I'm on time. I've got my coffee. Thank you, Lord. I put my phone on. Do not disturb. <laughs> I'm intentional, right? I, I, I don't want to be a distraction to those around me. I'm not snapping on Snapchat or Instagramming unless it's of the person preaching. Then by all means, post on Instagram. But there's just, it's just an intentionality. We, I think sometimes as a church, we lose that awe and wonder of what we do when we come here because we would never do this in the movies. Right? I'm, and I'm not, this is, this is stuff I wrestle with. Man, I, I wouldn't do that. I'm intentional when I'm going to a, a football game, not a Husker game, but a different team game. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go with y'all if you invite me. <laughs> The point being, there's intentionality, right? When you're getting ready, you make your plans, you got your food, you're going to tailgate, you got your, like, that's the mindset. Okay. Enough, enough of that. Number two, there's expectancy. There's expectancy. I'm, I'm, you're a priest. I'm a priest. We connect with God. We have direct access to God. I'm a priest. I can be the mediator between you and someone else. Do you know how powerful it is when we say turn and greet each other? I know it's uncomfortable, but you never know the difference you are making when you turn to someone, especially new people who have a hard time because we got three services and they're not feeling connected. Do you know how many people don't feel connected and they don't feel like they belong here? That simple gesture of just, hi, man, you make someone's day. You're setting the tone. There's an expectancy. I'm coming to meet with God. I'm coming to meet with you. Matthew 18, it says where two or three are gathered, I will be right there among them. I love what Ray Ortland says about this verse He says, the Lord isn't saying, if you show up, so will I. Here's what he's saying. If you gather to be with me, I'm already there. I am waiting for you. I am ready. I am eager 
to be with you. Do you know that God takes delight in meeting with you? I know some of us don't feel worthy. But God is as delighted in you more so than you are to be with him. I feel like there's times he's here waiting, going, come on, come on, come on, worship me a little bit more. Not because he needs to hear it, but it does something for you. There's an expectancy, that addiction. Come on, I'm I'm here. I'll partner with you. I feel like that's the Lord saying, "I'll, I'll partner with you, but respond to me, respond to what I'm doing, respond, come a little bit closer. Lastly, There's intentionality, there's expectancy, there's responsibility. In an article called The Eight Habits of Highly Successful Teams, and just so you know, this is talking about Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. (laughs) I didn't do this for him, I'm just saying But (laughs) coach, there's a gentleman called coach Mora and he's uh, being interviewed. And he says, if you go into the Alabama, if you go into the Alabama locker room and you walk into the equipment room and the assistant equipment manager is folding a towel and you ask him, what are you doing? He will say, I'm preparing to win a national championship. He's not saying I'm folding this towel. He's saying I'm folding this towel. The best a towel's ever been folded because I'm preparing to win a national championship. That attitude permeates the entire organization. What say you does this have to do with me? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. This applies to everyone here. We are family. And just like in biological family, everybody has a role. Everybody has a responsibility. It's no different in the corporate setting of worship. You have a role. We're not spectators. We are not just passive participants. You have a role. I have a role. You may not feel worthy enough. Maybe you feel like your season is past and that you've got nothing to give. Can I destroy that lie in Jesus name? You have a lot to give. Your best years are ahead of you. They're not behind you. We desperately need mentors. You have a part to play. So whether you are giving a bulletin, just like that equipment manager says, I'm winning a national championship, that bulletin is, I'm a priest. I'm, I'm helping you encounter Jesus. Welcome to good news church, the parking lot people that sometimes you despise because they stop you, right? And you want to go, you want to get home. They are preparing you to encounter Jesus. When you take the crying baby in the nursery, God love them. But your mindset is, I'm taking this child, I'm serving so that you can encounter Jesus. Everybody has a role. Everybody has it. And and a smile could do it. 
or a hug could do it or a prophetic word could do it. But everyone has the role, the hospitality team. If you're serving coffee, I'm serving coffee because I'm preparing you to encounter Jesus. This is a mindset shift. And, and, and I understand that altar team, junior high up kids. I have a responsibility to help you encounter God. That changes everything. It changes everything. It changes why you come. We have responsibility. Responsibility is, as some cool person said, it's you respond according to your ability. Responsibility. It demands a response. See, my son, no, great, now I owe him money. But every time we mention our kids in a sermon, we have to pay them. But... Um, I know. Anyway, my son, my children know that when they bring a friend over and I'm serving them, they got responsibility, right? I'm like, you tell your friend that I said they bring their dishes up, they wash their dish, they help you clean up. Is it just me? I'm not cleaning up after. So here's the point. It's, it's ownership. It's responsibility. And that's what we need in the house of God. You own a part. We really, really own a part. Can I tell you the prophetic words that have been spoken over this house? Things like holy hospital. Healing. There's been worship things spoken over this house. 24-7 worship. There has to be a mindset shift. Those promises are not going to just come to fruition. There's a part that we have to play. And so, God, we, we come to you. God, I, I sense you're here. I know you've been here. I know you've been meeting with us this whole time. God, we acknowledge our need to have mindset shifts, Father. We acknowledge our need to develop a lifestyle of worship, to play a part in establishing a culture of worship in this house. God, forgive us when we make it about us and not you. Would you stand? I just want to pray into that. And one of the things I mentioned in first service, when we say stand, it's not a time to disengage or check out. This is response time. And I understand there's, there's pressing needs, but don't miss the response. Don't miss the response. If you feel in any way, shape, or form that you need to respond this morning to the altar, would you do that even just as a corporate body? You're like, man, worship worship is not a lifestyle to me. You can come on up. Worship is not a lifestyle. I, I need to play my part more in corporate worship. 
So even even where you're at, you can raise your hands and say, God, forgive me. I've, I've made it more about me. I've made it more about I come to church for me. I, I, I don't come for somebody else. I don't come with a word for someone else. Some of us don't even like our church anymore. I feel like the Lord showed me that. God, forgive us. I pray, God, that you would help us fall in love with the body. Help us to fall in love with the corporate body. Help us to fall in love with people again, God. Help us to come with an expectancy. Help us to come knowing that we're priests, that we're sons and we're daughters, oh God. That we have a part to play. God, we want to be a part of those prophetic words. We want to be a part of those prophetic words, God. We want to be a part. We want to see those days where healing, where people are bringing people here for healing, oh God, because of what your presence is doing. We want to be a part. God, don't let it pass our generation. I don't want this to be about the God who was. I want to know the God who's now and who's doing stuff now in our church. I don't want to hear the stories of of what he did in the days. I want to be a part of what he's doing now. And I have a part to play. And God, forgive me when I've made it about me or my gift or my dreams, oh God or our denomination or our traditions God we throw those things at your feet God we humbly proskuneo in your presence oh God we humbly submit everything that we are God our hearts our external bodies oh God we respond to you we acknowledge your supremacy we acknowledge your authority we want to be a church that's known not just for diversity and for missions but a church that values the presence of god a church that people know they can come here because they're going to meet with god we want to be a church whose heart breaks for people And we're not inconvenienced when they sit in our row. And we're not inconvenienced when they take our parking. And when they don't look the same. challenge before us 
as you encounter life beginning this afternoon when you walk out of here I want you to remember this phrase that Carissa said several times this too is worship say it with me this too is worship and you praise God and you thank him for who he is amen praise the Lord God bless you you may be you may be dismissed please be mindful of those that still want to linger and want to continue to spend some time with the Lord please have your conversations outside in the lobby we'll see you Wednesday night thank you Carissa